I really like working with sound and I really like the idea of art being interactive in the way that um, the object, the thing that the artist installs is really just like a sort of a conduit and the actual art is somewhere between the individual and the physical material thing, whether it's an installation or whatever, it's somewhere within the individual's engagement with that thing, that's where the art is happening. So it's not just the individual and it's not just the thing that the artist has made, it's somewhere within the person interacting with it, that's where the art happens. In conversation with Joseph D'Souza and Annie Winter, Welcome to the first edition of Wonderful World in conversation with interactive artist Joseph D'Souza and producer Annie Winter. Wonderful World is a documentary covering interactive arts in the southwest of England. Here we will be talking about the subject and our experiences as creatives. To watch the documentary in full, head to the link below. Thank you for listening and I hope you enjoy. I think that's a really cool idea because like, I think like paintings and sculptures and stuff are, are great, don't get me wrong, but mm. with a painting you could put it on the wall and you could go away for an hour and come back and look at it again and it will still be exactly the same thing. Mm. But with like an interactive thing, it's always different and it's basically, it produces an infinite amount of unique experiences. And that I find so exciting. Mm. It's like, the in an essence, the art doesn't really exist. It's like an experience that is completely subjective to every person who interacts with it. Yeah, I think that's how I feel about it as well, that being able to interact with a piece and be able to have your own, like, input into it, like, mm. like the audience is just as much the artist. Yeah, and, like, yeah, yeah. It, it yeah. kind of, like, goes yeah. both ways. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think a lot of what this project is about is kind of imagining, like, the parameters of what can be interactive art. Is there anything that you are like wanting to create, like specific? Oh, I don't know. Like, um, yeah. I mean, I I just did a piece at the at the Spike Open where it was like um, a suspended microphone plugged into a loop pedal, and then going through a speaker that was constantly recording and set to a constant loop of about 50 seconds. And so every noise that it picked up, it would send through that loop. And it was just a constantly um, expanding sort of collage of sound. And um, I think that kind of thing, I wanna do more of that kind of thing because it's like almost in a lazy way, it's handing over the reins of authorship to the audience like you say it's like the people who are interacting with it are the people who are determining the fate of the artwork their their interaction with it is like 
that's what the artwork is. It's like they're leaving an imprint. It's like a like a, a constantly changing kind of self-portrait, if you like, by the audience. But then that becomes what the artwork actually is. I think what you're saying about like collage of sound is like so interesting because I think it can be gate kept quite a lot, like who produces audio, where mm. audio is used, like yeah. how audio technology is used in the exhibit space. Like I thought it was really brave at the spike opening to do that because like technically, like did you have problems with feedback or anything? I did at the beginning. So I, yeah. I only, um, cause it was in such an echoey reverby space in that stairwell. Mm. Um, it there it was acoustically just uh, just shit. Yeah. It was terrible. Yeah. Um, and I was only able to turn it on and plug it all in and set all the levels and stuff on the opening night. Yeah. So there were oh, already shit. people there when mm. I was trying to set the input levels and everything. And I came back. I was so nervous about it. Um, after about half an hour of turning it on for the first time, I came back. And it was feeding back like a bitch. It was like yeah. just the most awful noise. <laughs> and I spent the rest of that night dialing everything in. In the end, oh. I got it working yeah. perfectly, but it was, there were a lot of technical <laughs> Yeah. Issues. Well, I mean, it's, it's engineering sound is it's fucking pain in the ass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As I know too well, but I do think, I do feel like feedback is, as like a form of energy that we can perceive like it's kind of amazing like that's what like bats and stuff here that's kind of mm. like how they perceive like sonar and stuff like that basically like all of those really high pitched sounds are we're only able to hear them because the computer or the hardware has like translated it for us like that is like an electrical like wave that normally we wouldn't be able to hear like when when we plug in like whatever if i plug that into there if it wasn't plugged into the speaker you wouldn't be able to hear it like yeah. it's it's pretty crazy like that's this is the kind of thing that i'm trying to like understand and explain about interactive works that like we're literally suddenly becoming more than just human that we're like pushing the boundaries of what we can perceive and what we are mm. i think that's what i find amazing about arduinos and all of that is that we have so much control over what we can interact with, like when it comes to art now. Mm. And I think a lot of people kind of, I don't know, underestimate, or I think in fine art, the way that I felt about it was that it wasn't as like, I don't know, kind of, I don't know, I don't want to be negative. But, like, do you find it hard to, like, pitch, like, interactive pieces or kind of conceptualise them and stuff? Um, yeah. I had to, with my with the piece I did for the Spike Open, I had to write a proposal for it. And to be honest, I don't think... They accepted my proposal and they were excited to do it. Mm. But I think purely the reason for that was because it was specifically in that stairwell where I wanted to do it yeah and they had said that in previous years they didn't have much traffic going that way yeah so it didn't look like that stairwell was a way you could go so people were missing quite a lot of the studios because they just weren't going that way okay. and so they said well maybe if there's something going on there there'll be some kind of commotion and people will realize actually you can go that way 
Yeah. I don't think they understood at all what the piece actually was. Yeah. Until they saw it up and running. And I heard... Um, I've heard lots of different testimonials of, of people's um, experiences with it that I wasn't there for, but apparently people were like running up and down the stairs, kind of playing with it. And like, mm. even, like the actual Spike Island staff were like playing with it in a way that was like, they obviously had no idea what it was mm. from having read my proposal. Yeah. Um, so it would have been, had it not been in that specific space in that stairwell it would have been really difficult to pitch because it's an idea that until you actually see it happening like there's just no way of really explaining exactly how it works yeah yeah exactly i think it's it's really hard to like find the right terminology for it i guess like yeah um when you talk talking about space and um using like a microphone like I really don't yeah I guess I've never really tried to do my own installation um I have been doing like a lot of sound art stuff but it's very hard to like find the space for that in fine art sometimes because it's not as like exhibitable as like a painting or a sculpture or as traditional but I think it's really important because it is utilizing like new forms of mediums and stuff. Mm. Like I think that's kind of what art should be about is like pushing boundaries and pushing yourself as an artist to mm. be able to do more. And like, I don't, yeah. Um, so one of the notes I've wrote here is, um, but yeah, I, I know exactly what you mean. Like it sort of sullies the sort of experience in a way that, and I think, putting people on the spot being like this is being recorded like um mm, yeah it's something that in my practice I've sort of have focused a bit more on on only because in from like a media point of view that you are creating things to be recorded yeah. like yeah. it's not really about the artistic concept or anything it's literally just like we're just recording everything because that's what media is like yeah. we're just we're just doing yeah, it because we yeah, can yeah. But I think, yeah, that's is so important that it doesn't have to be like like put in like a box or um put, it is almost like putting in a cage now I think about it to um to like have to produce something from it. Like um and I haven't really thought about that before, but I always sort of wondering if archiving is any importance to your practice. Like are you did you archive the um, sounds that you created um i didn't i didn't record any of it okay so, yeah. so none of it running. none of it is safe it was all live yeah i'd have liked to yeah um but i think crucially what i like about those kinds of works is that they are constantly changing and will never be the same from one second to the next yeah and every time someone comes and in- interacts with it they will have a completely unique experience of it. And that is the kind of thing that best lends itself, I think, to having it purely live. If you record it, then it's just less interesting. And it would also be like a four or five hour long recording. No no one's gonna want to listen to that. (laughs) Whereas if you just have it running live in the space, 
it can stand in any sort of relation to you where you can you can go back to it and play with it if you want or you can go and fuck off and explore the building for an hour and then come back to it or you can spend five minutes playing with it or or whatever rather than it being this recording of audio that someone will sit down and listen to i think it would it would have been interesting to record it but that Mm. seems less important to me with something like that when i'm making soundscapes or um kind of ambient sounds and stuff like that it's all recorded and it's never Mm. live yeah um because it requires quite a lot of editing and post-production and shit yeah i think with the microphone thing if it's interactive it's i think it's better to just have it all live yeah and like in the moment yeah i think that's yeah completely that's it goes back to that like it's the energy of interacting with it it's not particularly about like kind of documenting what what it is because then Mm. i feel like then you can put a narrative onto somebody like yeah yeah. i think that having that sort of like genuine like reaction to it as well yeah it's a bit like the difference between theater and cinema i suppose Mm, because you go to watch a play at a theater and that's a whole different experience from watching a recording of that play at a theatre. Even though what you're watching is still a live performance, the fact that you're watching a recording of it, it's just not... It will never really have the same kind of kind of magic as, yeah. as going to watch it live. Yeah. And you might as well, if you're watching a recording of something, then you might as well watch a cinematic thing where mm. it's been edited and produced in a way that kind of lends itself to that medium. I don't yeah. know. I think a lot of with my pieces and stuff, I always think like, oh, I, I need to be able to find this like one day. And if I can't, then mm. it's so fucked. But mm. actually like, I guess it probably goes to quite a lot to like happenings and things like that. I can't, yeah. I, I feel like you probably know more about happenings than I do. Cause I'm only really just like literally, I can't even fully remember about that whole artistic movement, but, um, yeah, I don't know. Who was that? Was that, like, Futurist who sort of did, like, just... (laughs) Okay, maybe you don't know. Maybe maybe I'm just making it up. Well, I'm not making it up. No, it was, like, um, like, the Beat Generation, wasn't it? I don't know. Like, 60s... Situationism. Yeah. Situationist. That's what I mean. Is that what? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Situ- situationism. <laughs> yeah. That. Um. Yeah. What were they? Because I guess it's sort of like performance art, interactive art based yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um. But I think what what the documentary is about is sort of like installation, interactive work. So mm. I think it does inherit a lot from that time yeah because it's sort of seeing like touching and experiencing as the art itself and when you can use computers and audio technology and sensor technology like it's just insane like i feel like i've really enjoyed being able to document um like sense like touch censored installations and stuff yeah, like there's yeah. not like loads of them around but there's a lot of people who are wanting to do that a lot of people want to do that in like vr and stuff yes, yes. um 
So yeah, I think I should have let you really explain about your practice first, <laughs> but I kind well, of... Well, no, I think what you're saying is interesting. I think yeah. there's, it's definitely a process of like eternalizing something that is transient. I've always been really interested in your work because um, cause I feel like when we first started studying together, it was quite a lot of projections and sound. Yes. Um, yeah. And playing around with like analog things like that. Um, yeah. But it is different to what other people want to do. Like, um, I f yeah, I mean, I think everyone gets like that with their final degree piece that you start off and you love it. And then like by the end of the year, you're like, fuck this. I cannot yeah. fucking do this anymore. You're, you're like so deep in it that it is like every way that you look at the world is like filtered through <laughs> yeah through that and i found it so hard to like break out of that space and i had to like bun off my fucking my job and my fucking social life like i'm a little hobbit at the moment but <laughs> it's fine because to be honest like i'm proud of the pieces that i've made like i feel like i've fucking tried really hard and it's what i want to do like yeah. after uni like yeah. i'm really excited to be able to get go and get some funded and get an internship and fucking just go for yeah, it because yeah. we've all put up with so much shit in the last couple of years as students like yeah, like we obviously graduated sure. now but yeah, like yeah. it's like we deserve something as just as people just to be able to live and mm. express ourselves how we want and i feel like making installations where you're sort of pushing the line of what is like physical art and what is like just I don't even know just like physical space like it, it's exciting like I think um what do I think I think and it mm. reminds me of um something Brian Eno said about when uh, recording onto tape first started happening in in the music world and it was like music originally was a completely transient, non-physical thing. It was something that existed in time, but not in space. So you would go to watch musicians play their instruments live. And when it happened that that could start being recorded onto tape, then that transient thing, that sound, that thing that happened in time, then became something that existed in space as well, because mm. it was then just ferrous oxide on plastic. Yeah. So it becomes a physical object. Mm. And it's a completely different thing that you're then dealing with because when you have it as a physical object, you can, you know, with tape, you can chop it up and rearrange it. You can stretch it. You can manipulate it physically in ways that you couldn't do ever with just a sound. Mm. You could never chop up a sound because it's not something that exists in space. Yeah. Um, so it's really interesting to take that idea of art that is sensory and that exists in a transient moment and to fix it and record it and have that, you know, eternally accessible, something that people can go back to, yeah. something like documented or archived or whatever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that's what I found really exciting about doing installation pieces in like the last year or two um, is the notion that we, I think we're quite on the cusp of having a completely new way of like documenting sounds and images and mm. everything. I mean, 
um we've come so far from like analog tapes to and film to where we are today mm. um and i think that with this like new aspects of using like sensors and light in new ways like i don't know mm. I, that's that was the that's kind of the concept behind the digital terrarium that i want to record a whole ep into the arduino mm. into the lighting system for it and then the uv lights are like helping the plant to grow yeah. so that's, that's a really nice idea <laughs> that's actually it's... so cool i i have you heard um Plantasia. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's 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 probably what it is. Basically, <laughs> I basically ripped off Plantasia. But I mean, what, what what that was like recorded in like the seventies or something. I think that was yeah. Um, I think early seventies. Yeah. Um, but yeah, my my favorite genre of music at the moment is um Japanese environmental music. Oh yeah. Which yeah. is like ambient music, kind of inspired by Eno's yeah. ambient music, but it was like, um kind of a reaction against the post-war urbanization of japan and and yeah. the the advent of mega cities and and it was like music that could evoke a sense of landscape yeah which is sort of what i try to do with um the soundscape like the piece yeah. i did with rosie in the studio mm. she did the three paintings of um like landscapes and then i made um music to kind of um like accompany that yeah um where it's like i think the, the best thing about ambient music is the sense of physical kind of geographical space yeah that it evokes the acoustics of it you yeah i think like it transports you literally to like a place it's like it, it is like environmental music it's yeah like it creates a sense of environment yeah i think that's what I find really um, exciting about installation work, interactive installation work, is that you are kind of, you're able to make something which is like like a sound wave into something that's physical or an image into something that's like going back to being just a light wave again, like mm. moving from the physical space to the non-physical space from yeah. like 2D to 4D yeah. with within some processes which are actually very very simple like basically a lot through programming and through recordings and through like audio technology and things like that um so uh, yeah i think it yeah that's what's exciting about it that's why i made this fucking documentary <laughs> right okay i may have completely dissociated at one point and yeah i think where where do you see your practice in 10 years? Um, you know, That's it's, quite a big question. That is a big question. You know, it's sort of impossible because it, yeah. it's weird because like I did my foundation diploma what, four, five years ago. Yeah. And during that year, I almost exclusively considered myself as a painter. All, yeah. I, all I did was paint. And that's bizarre because like throughout my whole degree, I never once picked up a paintbrush. Yeah. I made, um, towards the end of my foundation, I made one video, which was originally going to be a painting. And my yeah. tutor talked me into doing it as a video because that would have worked better for yeah. what it was. It needed to be moving. Mm. And I reluctantly agreed. I said, okay, <laughs> I'll, I'll make a video. Yeah. And it was rubbish. I'd never made a video before. I just put together some clips on Premiere yeah. uh, with some audio. 
I sampled the audio from um, the film adaptation of Crime and Punishment in, in Russian. Um, <laughs> Shit, okay, that's mine. And I thought, actually, this is kind of fun. Yeah. Um, and then when I went to uni to do my degree, I only made videos and projection works and sound, and I was just totally absorbed in that. But I, mm. I think before that, I had quite a traditional idea of what art was I kind of thought well it's just paintings and sculptures really it's not really anything else um and that totally changed and so I don't know if that's going to totally change again in 10 Mm. years or in one year or whatever because over the course of my degree it's already changed so much yeah I'm now at the moment I'm working almost exclusively with sound Mm. and putting things online and having things exist in online spaces rather than in gallery spaces yeah and that's so so different to the kind of stuff i used to make already yeah. within like three years so i don't know I, it, it, <laughs> yeah and it's schrodinger's cat it's just yeah. dead and alive all at the same yeah, time yeah <laughs> i do feel like it must be your calling in some way though it not, not like in vogue but i mean like because it's sort of since so since graduating being able to work with continue working with spike and stuff Mm. like how has that been um really difficult at first i think i was so burnt out after graduating which is probably what you're gonna have i have that i've had that for the last year (laughs) when i i fucked my mind in rotterdam no lie but (laughs) (laughs) it was good it was a yeah yeah Yeah. it was kind of it was so difficult to carry on trying to be creative and, and also to be like obviously i feel very very blessed to have a studio rent free for a year and to have been given some funding and that like i feel incredibly fortunate for that Mm. but to not have deadlines and assessments Mm. it's like well okay what am i making work for now i'm just doing it for myself and that's something that i have never had because i've been in art education in some form since i was doing gcses yeah and so i've never had a point in my life where I've just been making something for myself for whatever purpose whether it's something to sell something to exhibit yeah something to put online it's always been that I've done it because it's something to submit for a yeah. tutor to assess and for that to get me a grade which f- somehow reflects my academic performance yeah um so it's still, I mean, still now, it's really fucking difficult mm. to, to motivate myself without having deadlines and stuff. Mm. And so I found that um, one of the easiest ways to combat that is to just make deadlines for yourself and to have things on the horizon, like preparing for the Spike Open, for example, that almost was <laughs> like a deadline. It was like, okay, yeah, this has to be done be. by then. Yeah. And so that kind of motiv- motivated me to do it but for the most part now if I wanted to put on an exhibition I would have to do that myself rather than the uni being like okay we're gonna have this show yeah um and that's that's really hard I've been kind of thrown into the deep end with that yeah I mean that is so intense um and I think 
yeah, it's such an interesting point to be like, this is the first time you're doing it just for yourself. Apart from, from maybe when you were a child and that's what got you into art in the first yeah, place. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Tapping into that original yeah. feeling is crazy. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I've unlearned a lot of that. Because yeah. I now have, I've got shit to do. I've got work. I've got like, you know, I don't I don't enjoy in the same way that I used to when I was a kid, just sitting down <clears throat> and doodling for yeah. hours. Like I have things to do now yeah. it's like distractions yeah i think that's something that i've been um working over in my mind figuring out where my life began really because you sort of are born and you just are naturally passionate about something and then you go through the sort of art education system and and suddenly it is a capitalist product based well not mm, not always not always but like in terms of getting grants and funding and stuff, you kind of, you got to know a certain way to, it's like a gift of the gab, you got to know yeah. the right way that people want you to be. Yes. Um, yeah. But ultimately having that like childlike exploration um, of the world is what makes art incredible. Like, I think something that I found really beautiful about um, documenting interactive installations is the childlike, excitement that comes from when you touch an object and a light comes on or yeah, or a yeah, sound yeah. goes off or yeah. some sound that you've made it is like echoed like it is almost like having that childlike imagination from when you shout and you almost like hear something else or yeah. like you see something you can imagine something and you can actually see it like or things are like w look way bigger than what they are and it's just sort of it's like amazement and awe of, of the world so I definitely think in, as an interactive artist, I think it is always about emotions and like the psyche yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Um, and like psychology a lot. I mean, that's what I've always studied quite a lot in theory is, is the psychology of it, mm. um, of being able to touch things and stuff. I'm not touching, you know what I mean? <laughs> to, play, yeah, to play with things, to, play, have, yeah. to, to have an effect on things. Mm. I'm glad that you brought up the word uh, childlike actually, yeah. because the first, piece of art I ever saw that got me on the path of wanting to make interactive work was when I think I was I was in my GCSE years studying art uh, yeah. at school and they took us on a school visit to the Tate Modern and this would have been in about 2016 I think it was the first time I'd ever been to any sort of major art gallery and the um the commission that they had on in the turbine hall was um as you came down the slope, as you first entered the building, you come down the slope, there was this giant swinging um, reflective ball above your head, swinging yeah. like a clock pendulum, really mm. slowly swinging. And it was completely reflective. Um, and so if you looked at it, you were inside it. And so yeah. you literally existed inside the artwork. And I thought that was so clever. And then yeah. as you went down into the hall, it was all these fucking swings, like playground swings, yeah. arranged in like some kind of constellation. But you would literally get like kids and really old people and students and teachers. Everyone was just sitting on these swings in this mm. weird sort of community, tapping into this kind of really childish sort of activity. And I thought that was so clever because that's kind of the first thing you come across when you enter the gallery and you do that and you go and play on the swings mm. 
and you make all these connections with all these other people, these old people that are set across from you and you tap into this really childish kind of thing. And that puts you in just the perfect mind frame for then going around the rest of the gallery yeah. and seeing all of the other artwork. Yeah, exactly. And that was the first thing I saw, because before then I thought, you know, art is just making paintings and drawings mm. because that's what they had taught us at school. Yeah. And then I saw that and I was like, wait, shit, this is, this is an artwork. Like yeah. not just the swings, but me swinging on it, having this experience, this is what the artwork is. And with the big swinging ball thing, it was like me looking into that and seeing myself inside of it. That's what the artwork is. If I wasn't there to witness it, then the art in an essence wouldn't really exist. Yeah, exactly. For a project I made for my degree show last year, I did um, an eight channel sound installation Yeah. Um, where I was mostly sampling sounds of the internet. So I was yeah. doing like scrolls through TikTok and yeah. stuff like that capturing all the sounds and one of the sounds i sampled was an asmr video on youtube of this woman eating spaghetti oh, yeah. and just slurping <laughs> fucking spaghetti it was the grossest wettest sound it was <laughs> fucking disgusting there's a market for it I'm... i don't know people are really into it yeah it's bizarre i think people are into seeing people eat on the internet like even i don't watch a lot of it but it <laughs> <laughs> oh, but what? what you watch some of it, some of it. <laughs> like just for the crack like when they're like eating when <laughs> some of these people eat like a whole table full of food and you're just it's not about the sounds it's i'm not upset i don't like it i don't like it i didn't bring that up <laughs> anyway <laughs> not talking about that we're talking about you <laughs> your stuff not me <laughs> <laughs> no, this is nothing to do with what I do. I'm not a real. I want to hear more about it. I mean, I, I used to watch Man vs. Food when I was young. Cause yeah. That was like, you watch it just to be sort of impressed by the amount of mass that you yeah, consume. Yeah, the competition of it. But like the people who watch it, like to relax, like the ASMR. Yeah, thing, like, as ASMR. Like for that to make you kind of tingle with, yeah. with delight or what, however the fuck, I don't know. ASMR has never worked on me. I've never been able to get it. Really? So I, it's so alien to me. You're not on the spectrum enough, Joe. No. Get I'm on not. the spectrum. <laughs> get on it. No, it's not something. You can't, I'm just born that way. I'm not gonna. I can't go into all of that. Going back to <laughs> this isn't a rant about my ADHD. I'm gonna ask. I literally had questions, and now I've gone off on a tangent about something else. Uh, distracted. Yeah. Um. I think. <laughs> accessing, yeah, being able to access that enjoyment. Is yeah. something that isn't as of an institutional thing in fine art at the moment, but it definitely, it definitely should be. I think um, there is something. It's weird when you when you come across an artwork that you can create an imprint in, or you can affect it in some way. There's this really childlike sense of like cause and effect it's like when a cat sees itself in a, in the mirror it's like it's creating that thing to happen but it doesn't really understand it and it's like mm. if it's like if you look at the way that babies sort of learn 
they're kind of encountering objects, pushing things over to see what happens, to see that their action has an effect on something physical in the real world. And that's what sort of sparks that childlike sense, I think, when people realise that an artwork is responding or changing because of their actions. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, I feel like there is um, sort of a stigma against playfulness in society for adults. Yeah. Um, and it is, it is interesting to wonder like why, why have we got to this point where those things aren't really allowed they're quite censored really mm. and it's not something that's seen mm. as like like socially acceptable mm. to to tap into your child self or to have <laughs> to play and have fun in that particular yeah. in a particular way i suppose yeah. um so yeah i think having that space in art is really important yeah it's it's weird there was, there was like the only real example of that kind of thing being done in a sort of academic institution outside of the art world that I can think of is um, this experimental treatment they used to do for schizophrenic patients mm -hmm. back in the 60s called regression therapy, where they would encourage patients to regress to like their baby version of themselves. And they would get them to crawl around on all fours and act like, little kids and so they would essentially regrow up re-mature yeah. without the schizophrenia or whatever yeah um and that's like obviously kind of weird um yeah but like nowhere else really are you encouraged in society to be like a little kid again you mm. i mean you do get sort of adult play parks and shit like that yeah. but they're always considered kind of a novelty it's not yeah. it's not taken seriously at all except in art galleries where you get things like swings and stuff like that or or who was it who built the massive slide in the Tate Modern it was yeah, like a well, big no, metal I slide I know what you mean yeah but I know yeah, which one you mean stuff like that you, you only ever really seem to get that in art galleries yeah. and it's a bit weird yeah. you, don't, you don't really get like adult it's... swings or bumper cars or yeah I think it's definitely done on purpose to stop people from not focusing on work and like not focusing on yeah. capitalistic things like yes. that especially in England like you're just it's so conservative that you're just not you're just not allowed to be anything like your childlike self if anything like the goal is to become as little like your childlike self as possible yeah and yeah. It, it, it's soul crushing like it's just it's pretty, I find it unbearable, <laughs> realistically. Yeah, yeah. Especially as someone, I'm quite silly, I'm quite a silly, stupid person, but I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Like, no. I feel like I've come full circle that, I mean, you remember what our first year of fine art was like? I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why I was wilding out as much as I was. But <laughs> I wasn't that, I mean, I wasn't that crazy, but I think, like, Little things like when I I jumped on the table to take a picture of everybody at the start, and I was like, "What the fuck?" And I was like, "Well, why not? We're only gonna be in this first day of uni once, for fuck's sake." And I actually got those pictures developed, and they're quite good. Really? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Um, there's some people's faces who are just like, 
the people who are like ended up being like my closest friends are like smiling and the people who I never got to know that just look so, so up. they were so like uh, annoyed about it it's like who fucking cares that's so funny. <laughs> I don't think and, I was there am I in those I don't think I, don't I was know. there I don't no remember. I'm not sure if it, I I think Alex in it and uh, right. staff but I don't I don't know if you were there no I didn't it. really I didn't engage much at the beginning of the course yeah I was sort of elusive yeah, I, don't know if I, remember that. I feel like we're both stoners because I remember that's pretty much how we ended up being mates. I think from like smoking. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, wow, that's like a whole lifetime ago. Yeah, fuck, fuck, fuck first, yeah. It went so quickly, didn't it? Yeah, here we are. Um, I'm still studying somehow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, not, for but, not for long. This is literally the end. Not so this long. feels like a nice. It's nice to catch up about everything. Like yeah. talk. Because I feel like our practices have always been um, similar and... Childish. Uh, childish. <laughs> children. Children of God. Um, <laughs> I think in that first exhibit, we did exhibit in the same space in Spike. Because I had a in projection the, In the project well. room. Yeah. 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 You, you were in the corner. Yeah. yeah. I had like yeah, a VCR yeah. and, and a projector. Yeah, yeah. And then yours was like a projector and something yeah. else. Mine was a projector and one speaker. Yeah, so. yeah. yeah. So but it was so like unprofessionally done. Like, <laughs> it was literally just a projector on like a tripod <laughs> and then a speaker just on the floor. <laughs> it was like, it didn't. It didn't look exhibition. Uh, it's just about going for it. It was first term. <laughs> literally first term, like first few weeks. Yeah, so. it, was, <laughs> it was put up in like a day. That's pretty standard. Um, um, something I was thinking about about um, thinking about like envi- the ambience of the environment and um, like childlike behavior is that you can you could compare how like the environment the how the environment makes us act and this sort of cu- like curating like a space to be playful and to be your child self that sort of. I don't know. I don't know what. I don't know what it is about it. I was thinking about what you said about like sort of Japanese environmental ambient music and mm. like this sort of notion of um, the space and the and your emotions and stuff. So yeah. like I don't know. This isn't really a question, but it's. <laughs> I feel like there's something sort of in between that. Like you have this sort of environment and how that influences you and the interaction. Like I don't know if that's any. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> in my head, I was like, "This is this is a point. Like, this is this is a thing." But now I've said it, I'm like, mm. um, "I don't know." No, yeah, I know. I know what you mean. It's create creating a sense of environment is the same as creating a way of situating someone within something. Mm. So that almost is like in the same way that as a kid, you would play out scenarios where you're I don't know in the arctic or something like that Mm. you imagine yourself inhabiting this fictional role in a fictional world that's kind of the same as what I think environmental music sets out to do is to like Mm. situate you within a space that you're not in you could be in your sitting room and suddenly you're in the middle of a forest because you're listening to those sounds yeah yeah exactly and I think, is there any, like, beyond what you've already done, do you feel like there's anything that you're wanting to create, like? Um, at the moment, I'm focusing more on making music. Mm. Um, I would like to make... 
<laughs> I just I want to make loads of music. I want to make I want to make records. Really. Yeah. That's kind of what excites me at the moment. I think yeah. that's because um, I'm currently working at a music venue, and they happen yeah. to have a recording studio in the cellar. Oh, really? Which they're sort of letting us use in a very casual way, but it's very exciting, and I think. I just I, that's kind of what is exciting me at the moment. Mm, yeah. But in the same way, like I, I don't even know what I'm gonna do tomorrow. Like I, don't, yeah. I never know what I'm gonna make until, randomly, I wake up one day and just do it. Um, <coughs> I've yeah. never ever planned, artwork sort of in advance. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I don't know, but. That's cool. Where are you working? That sounds sick. Why um, do I not know about this? Louisiana. <laughs> Fuck, do they have a recording studio yeah, in the bottom? Yeah, Boy. They have, yeah, so bands come in to record their albums in the in the studio. And because they got, um, like, Arts Council funding to build the <coughs> studio, oh, really? it's free to use. Essentially, all you, all you have to do is just pay the electricity bill, okay, which isn't that, much. That much. Um, Fucking hell, I've got to get in on this. Yeah, that sounds sick. You just have to book it in, and you have to pay for the engineer, uh-huh. obviously. Um but that's it, yeah. really. Like it's free okay. to actually use the space. That's mad. What if you? I feel like I don't know if I'm good. It depends what kind of studio. Like I guess I've got a bit more experience than I used to. I mean, yeah. No, I don't need to worry about that. That's not part of this. But that's really good. That's good information to know. Yeah. There's um. I found in my um hard drive this track that I one of your tracks I recorded onto. It's fucking. Like ages and ages and ages. I think ago. I remember it. Was it in the lockdown? Like during. Yeah, it must have been. Yeah, I remember that. <sighs> I won't play it now. But but... I think a wire has just fallen. I don't know if that matters. Fuck em. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's that... so many wires. It looks like I... it's still recording. It's so. still good. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> bruv, most of the time I'm just like in a pit of wires, like snakes. It is just, a like, bit, yeah, me up. It's a bit of a it's bowl so... of noodles right now. Yeah, it's fucking intense as fuck, but I think. It's like that's... <laughs> <laughs> fucking hair straightness. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not even like it's just a It's all part of the same <laughs> ecosystem. <laughs> I'm literally <laughs> becoming one with it. Yeah. <laughs> well, that is, that's that's what I feel is happening. That we have gone, like we've gone so digital that we are coming back around to it being just part of us. Like, it's a part of nature. Yeah. Like that's what the digital terrarium is about. I am. I think very deeply about this fucking thing. It's more of a proof of concept, that one, but mm. generally it's supposed, like, the wires are, I think the wires do look quite organic in their form and stuff, but... Yeah, they're that, uncoated, aren't they? Yeah, well, they do have, like, a tiny, they're, like, yeah, they're... It's cop- just, like, straight up. Yeah, it's, um, it does have, like, the tiniest bit of film on it, but it's pretty much, like, as uncoated as it can be before yeah, you start, like, yeah. fucking blowing shit up. What is it, copper? Uh, it's copper, yeah. Uh, but it's like copper coat. No, what the fuck is it? I don't know what the fuck it is actually. Um, it does have some sort of coating on it because you have to solder it off to right. do it all. But yeah. like, yeah. it is pretty much. It's some. It's a bit coppery. I mean, like, do, do, I think it is copper. Yeah, um, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I don't know why. Why am I? <sighs> there's a good. There's a really good. Um, have you heard of a scientist called James Lovelock? No, he's, I haven't. He's fucking cool. He died last year, I think. Right. He lived to like 100 or 101. 
Um, and the last book he wrote is called Novacine, and it's essentially his predictions of um, the the era that we're about to enter yeah. into, the age of hyperintelligence. Yeah. And he wrote this really cool statistic, which is that, um, what is it? The rate of transmission along a copper wire is, I think it's 10,000 times faster than the rate of transition across a human neuron. Uh, and the rate of transition across a human neuron is 10,000 times faster than that of a plant. So yeah. for us, watching plants grow is the same way how AI feels watching us make decisions. Oh my God. <laughs> it's so crazy. <laughs> Fuck, that is crazy. I mean, it all does come down to like algebra, like uh, and a, a sequence, an equation. Like it is, I mean, it is mental like to think yeah the the physics of it all like are all possible and like i definitely see ai as kind of being the precursor to us being able to interact with anything like mm. absolutely fucking anything mm. like that's what's going to make all our homes smart and all of the public sphere smart and yeah. i think this is where interactive installation is going to become something more than art than actually something that is very much needed yeah, in like yeah, yeah. in like the public for yeah for everything yeah. so that's my in the back of my head i'm like well yeah i want to become an expert in this because yeah. in the future it's going to be everything um but at the moment it's still it's just slow it's just hard well no i don't know i mean it well, depends what you do i think i think you're right um but i think the element of authorship on the part of the individual mm. is going to be reduced. I think yeah. we're already seeing like cars that drive themselves mm. and shit like that. And like everything is gonna be made interactive to such an extent that you will tell your house to turn the lights on, but you're, you're not actually engaging with something in order to make that happen. It will get to the point where you'll want it to happen and it will just happen. It's yeah. like, it will be so intelligent that like suddenly you're, authorship of the situation is going to be so minimal that it's mm. like barely even like really existing in, yeah. a, in, in a tangible way you know you're not you're no longer it will get to a point where we'll have such a minimal kind of imprint in terms of like how our actions trigger reactions yeah that it won't be really interactive in the same way as what we think of things being interactive now. It's, I don't know. No, I know exactly what you mean. And that's so interesting to talk about like authorship because if everything did become automated, yeah, you wouldn't have authorship over your interaction, mm. even though you might feel like you do. If, it, if everything was being automated for you, even mm. though you're interacting, like your presence is the interaction, but do you actually have control over it anymore? Yeah. yeah. And I think that's like the dark side of it all that at the moment you can focus on the positive, playful side of it, but it also has this other side where are we making as many decisions as we think we are? Mm. So yeah, we're hoping to keep on the positive side. No, I mean, not, 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 not like, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
especially I'm... like if, like if 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 artificial intelligence can make decisions ten thousand times faster than we can, mm. then I think we're on a slippery slope. Really, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Our level of authorship is massively just gonna drop off. Yeah, literally. I feel like we definitely do need to make some big decisions and this is what people have been saying for years that there needs to be actual laws about the internet and technology and everything because there's no there's no like state legislation about what you can do particularly apart from like with cyber security and data protection yeah but i think in terms of like what we create ourselves it is dwindling almost because of it mm, yeah I mean, le- legislation is always like ten years or so behind technological advancement. Yeah. So it's always in a state of catching up. Um, but we are at that like crucial point now where we're at the beginning of a steep curve, and the world is about to change massively. Yeah. But we we're just at the beginning of that. And yeah. It is scary, and I feel like every conversation always comes back to this every, like yeah <laughs> definitely. you mean talk about anything and it always comes down to this because this is the thing that everyone seems to be kind of so scared of at the moment like yeah. this is so like on everyone's mind yeah of course because there are things that exist today which we weren't sure we were going to be able to do like and if this is happening now then who knows how far it could go mm. My personal belief is that we're completely in control of it. And so long as we continue to be um, aware and, um, yeah, sort of on the ball with it, that it will be fine. But it's definitely maybe the influence that it has on our, um, our actions and our feelings. Like, that's probably where we don't really fully know what could happen that mm. it has sort of made every everyone lazier in terms of intelligence and everything yeah 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 yeah, yeah. but maybe i don't know how much convenience do people need like in the west we all live very very comfortably and we have very comfortable lifestyles because of it so mm. but that's not true for the rest of the world and all of the materials that these things use are like killing the world so yeah i think that's something i've been quite wary of is not wanting to recreate the world within technology because what is the point in that like we already have the natural world as yeah. it is yeah. um and we don't need to like reproduce it because it's already there um but i definitely think that there is still there's still like a massive point in being able like we have to keep progressing like we have to do we have to at least try these things out like just just Mm. for human progression Mm. like because that is a form of intelligence and development like and i think we can always refine it and make it better Mm. this has been in conversation for wonderful world with Joseph D'Souza and Annie Winter. To learn more about interactive arts, head to the Wonderful World link below to watch the full documentary. Thank you.